Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This talk kicks off our four-week teaching series, Unsmall, where we look at the lives of four key people. We look at the things that they did with their lives and how they devoted themselves to God. The funny thing is, even though some things we do might seem very insignificant and very small, what we discover is that they actually can have a huge eternal impact on our lives and the lives of others. So join us this week as we look at the life of Hezekiah. And Unsmall begins today, and I'm really excited about this series because I think it's going to give us all the chance to choose obedience over convenience. And we're going to have a lot of fun kind of wrestling with that. And we're also going to dig a little deeper in this series, which I think will be invigorating for all of us. You know, today's kind of a fun day for me as well, because my parents are actually here from Chicago. So will you please help me welcome them? And I've been telling them how great you guys are and how wonderful you are, so please be good to them. Please. All right? Great to have you here. So here's the concept of the word unsmall. Unsmall is an everyday commitment to live life God's way. An everyday commitment. Not some days, not most of the days, but an everyday commitment to live life God's way. And when that happens, I've got a shot at having an unsmall kind of life. So here's what this is really about. This is about living the kind of life that counts. And isn't this what we all want, really? I mean, we want to live a life that counts. We want to know that at the end of our days, my life has actually mattered to someone or something. We want to live a life that counts. I think all of us would agree with that. Occasionally, we get to hear stories about individuals who are kind of small in the eyes of the world, but yet because of what they do, they actually have great impact. Consider the story of Jeremy Lin. Before February 2012, nobody knew who this guy was. I mean, nobody. And now something called Linsanity has just swept the world. And this individual who was unknown and unwanted is now a huge basketball star, and he's got a great story. See, after graduating from Harvard, he went undrafted in the 2010 NBA draft. Nobody wanted this guy. And here's what the experts said about him. You know, they get together and they put all these reports out, and here's what they said. He's a smart passer with a flawed jump shot and a thin frame who might not have the strength and athleticism to defend, create his own shot, or finish at the rim in the NBA. In other words, he's just not good enough. Well, he did sign with the Golden State Warriors and then eventually was cut. And then he signed with the Houston Rockets and was eventually cut. And then he was signed by the New York Knicks, where he still sat on the bench and was in jeopardy of being cut for the third time. 
But then he had the chance to play. I mean, the opportunity opened up for him. And when he had the chance to play, everything changed for Jeremy Lin. Because this unwanted, unknown individual burst on the scene. And he began to average 20 points and 8 assists per game. And he's now what you would call a legitimate NBA star. And everybody wants to know a little bit more about Jeremy Lin. It's just a great story. Now, you may not know this, but I also had a little stint with the New York Knicks, and we've got a picture. Yeah, there you go. Just to make sure you're awake. All right, so here's some Jeremy Lin fun facts. Jeremy Lin's number 17 jersey is the NBA's top online seller since February the 4th when he played his very first game. I mean, nobody's outselling this guy right now. Nick's merchandise sales are number one overall in the NBA since his breakthrough game. And the Knicks, of course, have taken advantage of Lynn's sanity, raising the average ticket price by 27% since he had that breakthrough game against the New Jersey Nets. See, Jeremy Lynn, he went from small to unsmall in a hurry. I mean, it happened really, really fast for him. Now, Let's think about this in terms of faith. And here's the series concept. See, an unsmall kind of faith life is an everyday commitment to obey God, which gives us the opportunity to enjoy a not-so-small kind of life, a life filled with impact and influence. So here's what we're going to do throughout this series. We're going to investigate the lives of some Old Testament characters that don't have the big name. I mean, these are individuals that maybe we have never heard of, but they're there, and they lived an unsmall kind of life. There's a lot of amazing characters when you walk through the pages of Scripture. I mean, you find individuals like Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. There's Moses and Joshua. There's Samson and there's David. And these are all big names, and they definitely lived a life where they had huge impact. But we're not going to talk about those names. Because a lot of us are kind of familiar with some of their stories. So we're not going to talk about them. We're going to look at individuals who are a little more obscure. So today, we're going to talk about the unsmall life of a guy named Hezekiah. And here's what we know about Hezekiah. He's a young guy from an interesting family. He's actually a young king from an interesting family. And in Hezekiah's family, he had a great-grandfather who was also a king. And he was a good king, a great king. I mean, the people loved him, and he was very popular. And one of the reasons he was a popular king was because he loved God. His great-grandfather, good man, great king, and he loved God. And then Hezekiah's grandfather came along. Great king, and he loved God, and he was very popular with the people. And then Hezekiah's father jumps onto the scene, and it's like a whole different story here. See, Hezekiah's father, King Ahaz, kind of took the throne, and everything immediately went right into the tank because Ahaz was a narcissistic, crazy type who just turned his back on God. He was pretty much a cracked up nutcase. 
He was a loser spiritually. He just didn't have it. And that's what Hezekiah grew up with. So he's got this great faith legacy back there. He's got the great-grandfather who loved God and was a great king. And he's got a grandfather who was a great king and he loved God. But then he's got this father who just doesn't have it spiritually. And that's what Hezekiah grew up with. He's a young man. He's a young king with kind of an interesting family. And I think a lot of us can probably connect with that. Well, not only is he a young guy with an interesting family, but we know this about Hezekiah. He's successful, like very successful. And we actually find these words in 2 Chronicles chapter 29. And this is the paragraph that we're going to unpack. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there and follow along as I read. You'll also find these words on the screen. So here's verse 2. He, speaking of Hezekiah, did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. And if you were to read on, you would discover that Hezekiah basically reigned for 29 years and everything he touched turned to gold. I mean, 29 years. He was successful in everything. That is a long, long run. He is radically successful and he's very, very popular with the people. You know, there's no doubt he was on the cover of Forbes magazine and he did all the talk shows of the day because everybody wanted to hear about his success. But that's not what gave Hezekiah an unsmall life. I mean, all of that is amazing. He's a successful individual, and he's liked, and he's making God happy, and he's a wonderful ruler, but those aren't the things that gave him an unsmall kind of life. The trait that gave Hezekiah an unsmall kind of life was that he wasn't afraid to create a culture of worship in his personal life that then spilled over into his public life. I want to say that again. The trait that gave Hezekiah an unsmall kind of life was that he wasn't afraid to create a culture of worship in his personal life that then just spilled over into his public life. Here's our big idea for today. Here's kind of the whole deal. Make responding to the greatness of God an everyday act. That's it. Just make responding to the greatness of God, which is how you can define worship. That's what it means. And that's what it is. You're responding to a great God. So make responding to the greatness of God an everyday act. Question, how? I mean, how do you pull that off? Because that sounds good. I think most of us would probably agree that we should be doing that to some extent. But how? I mean, how did Hezekiah do this? What were the choices that he made that we can also make to have this unsmall kind of life that's filled with influence and impact? So I want to kind of unpack some of these choices that Hezekiah made that we can make as well. Here's what he did. First of all, he made the choice to elevate his view of God. I mean, he just raised the temperature on that and it went way up. He elevated his view of God. We see this in verse three. It says, in the very first month of the first year of his reign, right? So he's getting after it. I mean, first month, first year, he's going for it. Hezekiah 
reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He summoned the priests and Levites to meet him at the courtyard east of the temple. And he said to them, listen to me, you Levites, purify yourselves and purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. So here's Hezekiah, and he comes to the throne in the wake of a father who absolutely ruined everything. I mean, he's ruined the whole country. And Hezekiah begins to survey what's happening, as a good leader would do. And then he got the church workers together, the Levites, the priests, and others who worked at the church, and other individuals in the country. And he said, here's the deal. I've got some bad news to share. Before it's going to get good around here, before it's going to get better, I've got to share this, and it's not good news. We've abandoned God. I mean, that's what's happened around here. We've just kind of turned our backs on God, and we're going to stop that starting today. I mean, we're going to turn this thing around. One of the things that his father did was to shut the temple. He kind of shut the church down. He walked over and put a huge closed sign on the door. And then the historic account tells us that Ahaz just went in and destroyed the place. I mean, he trashed it and he took out the things that were important for their worship experience and he replaced it with other things and then he really didn't want anybody in there at all. And so this is what Hezekiah had to deal with. He had to get everybody together and say, purify yourselves because we're going to open the temple again. I mean, we've abandoned God, we've forgotten about him and that's all going to end because we're going to clean this up and we're going to elevate our view of God around here. That's what's going to happen. And under Hezekiah's skilled leadership, they were able to take years of damage and years of neglect and years where nobody cared about God. And in 16 days, they opened the temple for worship again. And that all started with one individual who said, I'm going to raise, I'm going to elevate my view of God. And that's just going to spill over onto other people. Let's think about the next choice that Hezekiah made. He made the choice to invite people to consider God. Verse 28 of chapter 29 says, The entire assembly worshipped the Lord as the singer sang, and the trumpets blew until all the burnt offerings were finished. Then the king and everyone with him bowed down in worship. King Hezekiah and all the officials then ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the Psalms written by David and by Asaph the seer. So they offered joyous praise and bowed down in worship. So here's what Hezekiah did. He got the priests together and the church workers. And then he brought in some singers and he brought in some people who could play instruments and they made some noise together. And Hezekiah said, we're doing all of this so that we can invite everybody here to consider God. That's what the noise is about. That's what the reading of scripture is about. It's about helping people just consider the greatness of God if they've never done that before. Now here's the thing. Every time we open the doors to this place, and every time we get together, this is what we do. We invite people to consider the greatness of God. And there is nothing like the church 
when it is gathered, responding to the greatness of God. It's a powerful thing, and it has this amazing ability to help people think about what God can do for them. And so the choice that Hezekiah made was let's get everybody together and let's just make some noise and let's read some scripture and let's pray and let's do all of this and let's help people consider this God that we've totally forgotten about. Let's do that. Here's the third choice that Hezekiah made. He made the choice to reinstate the practice of tithing. If you jump over to chapter 31, verse 5 says this. When the people of Israel heard these requirements, the things that Hezekiah was saying, and everything that needed to change, here's how they responded. They responded generously by bringing the first share of their grain, new wine and olive oil and honey and all the produce of their fields. They brought a large quantity, a tithe, which is a Bible word that means 10%. And so they brought in 10% of all they produced. And the people who had moved to Judah from Israel and the people of Judah themselves brought in the tithes of their cattle and sheep and goats and a tithe of the things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God, and they piled them up in great heaps. Like, this is an amazing picture here. I mean, people are getting generous, and there's just piles here. Verse 7, they began piling them up in late spring, and the heaps continued to grow until early autumn. And when Hezekiah and his officials came and saw these huge piles, they thanked the Lord and his people, Israel. So not only was there confession and singing and praising and stuff like that, but generosity was involved. People began to share. People began to give. They began to tithe. And tithing is simply an Old Testament concept that began with a guy named Abraham who made the choice all on his own to give 10% of everything that he had to a priest. He gave it to the church And then God instituted this as a practice throughout all of Israel. You give 10% and then you live off of 90%. And this is something that became a huge part of the worship experience of the individuals that were here. They started to give. They got really, really generous. Normally, one of the first signs of religious reformation And when things are changing and people are moving to God and they're pointing their feet in his direction and getting really excited about what God might do in their life is that people get generous. They begin to share. They begin to tithe. And that's exactly what happened here. See, these are the choices that Hezekiah made. He made them in his personal life and it kind of spilled over into his public life And he was an unsmall individual, huge impact. I want to submit to you that perhaps it's time for a sweeping reform in our own lives when it comes to how we respond personally to the greatness of God. I mean, maybe it's just time for us to rethink this and reconsider what God is saying to us and get really fired up about him and what he can do in our lives, and the influence and the impact that that can have. Maybe it's time to just consider this. And so here's what I want to do. I want you just to think about yourself right now, 
and where you stand before God. You can kind of ignore everybody else. This is between you and God. So just think about this for a few moments as we share our takeaways. Here's the first one. I believe God is calling us to get clean. I think that's what God is calling us to do. To purify the temple. You know, there's this unique teaching in scripture that tells us once a person trusts in Jesus alone, scripture tells us that God takes up residence within that individual and we are the temple of God. God doesn't live in buildings. He lives in people who have embraced his leadership and his forgiveness. And so if you've done that, then you are a temple. And perhaps it's time to clean up the temple a bit. I think this is what God wants for me. I think this is what God wants for you. This is what God is calling Valley Point too. To get clean a little bit. See, maybe you're in a situation where sin has kind of invaded your life and it's hung up a closed door on the temple. Or maybe you've got some habit or some secret that nobody else knows about but God, but it's keeping you from being fully alive to God and everything that he wants for you. See, it's time. It's time to get clean and to purify the temple. So how do you do that? Just one word, confession. And this is something that God invites us to all of the time. And he even tells us, if you confess, right? If you do this, if you say the same thing about the junk in your life and the sin in your life that I do, if you confess, I'm a faithful God, I'm a good God, and I am just, and I will forgive you, and I will cleanse you from everything in your life. And this is what God loves to do. And he'll do it again and again and again. That's just the type of God that he is. So when's the last time that you've had a meaningful conversation with God about the stuff inside of you? And I'm not talking about a casual, you know, sorry, God, I've kind of done it again. I'm thinking about a real meaningful conversation with God where we just open up and we confess in real ways. See, God is calling us to this. He's calling us to get clean. Here's the second takeaway. I believe God is also calling us to re-engage in the process of inviting others to consider the greatness of God. Here's a question. When's the last time that you had a conversation with someone else, anyone, about the greatness of God? See, when we begin to respond to God, and we do that in private ways and in public ways, when we begin to confess and when we get clean and when we place all of our affection on God, when he gets it all, our lives change. I mean, they change in dramatic ways and we have this overwhelming sense where I have to invite other people to join me on this journey. Like, you don't want to miss out on this. Look at what God is doing in me and I want you to enjoy this as well. Our strategy here at Valley Point is very simple. It's pointing people to real relationships that inspire real significance. Real relationships, real significance. And one of the ways that that can happen is when we as followers of Christ have normal everyday conversations 
about the greatness of God and what he's doing in and for us. And we actually have a training event coming up called the Coffee House Gospel. It's next week, and I'm so excited about this. And my expectation is that every adult will sign up for this because it's going to help sharpen our skills in this particular area. Because here's the thing. If you consider yourself close to Christ, or even in the committed to Christ category, meaning that Jesus is the most important relationship that you have in life, if that's where you think you're at, and you're not having regular conversations with others about the greatness of God, then you're not as close to Christ as what you think. You're not. And so it's time to re-engage in this process because God is calling us. I mean, he is just calling us to help other people consider the greatness of God. And we need to do that with our words. Here's the third takeaway. I believe that God is calling us to embrace a deeper level of generosity. And I think we fear this whole generosity thing. Like, does God really want us to share 10% and live off of 90? Yeah, he actually does. And we fear that because we fear that we might lose our stuff. But I think when we begin to view our stuff from God's perspective, like he owns it all anyway, then the thing to fear is not giving away too much, but sharing too little for God's work. And God is calling us to a deeper level of generosity, just like what Hezekiah called his people to do. And so I want to encourage you just to wrestle with this thing. See, small choices lead to big impact. And when Hezekiah made these small choices in his life, it spilled out into his public life, and people began to move to God. People just got closer to God because of the small choices that Hezekiah made. He made the choice to elevate his view of God. And let me just say, when you choose to elevate your view of God, it's possible that God will begin to use your life in ways that are disproportionate to who you are. So exalt God, pursue his holiness, chase his grace. And that's an unsmall kind of life. It's what Hezekiah did. And then he chose to invite other people just to consider God like, hey, look at him and what he's doing. And then he asked people just to get really, really generous and to start tithing again because they had neglected God in that area. These are the small choices that Hezekiah made. He made responding to the greatness of God an everyday act every day. And I think it's time for us to do the same so that we all can live an unsmall kind of life. Father, we're so thankful for an opportunity just to look at your word and what it has to say to us and how it encourages us and challenges us. And God, we've looked at an individual that's not that popular He doesn't really have the recognizable name, but yet you did something incredible in his life and you helped him to live unsmall. God, I want that for me. And I want that for every individual in this room that we would chase living a not so small kind of life, knowing that our life can count and we can have influence and impact on the people around us. But God, that all starts with a choice. We have to choose 
to make responding to you and your greatness an everyday act. And so God, I pray right now as we just wrap this up that you'd help us to really get serious about making that choice. And then God, help us to walk out of here in just a moment, ready to do what you say, because this is where an unsmall life begins. God, I think there's a lot of people in here who want to be used in ways that are disproportionate to their abilities and their skills. And God, that is totally possible, totally, when we choose to make responding to you an everyday act. So God, speak to us now, challenge us, encourage us, and help us to leave changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m. 